I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was so exhausted and overworked at my job. There was a colleague who would roll their eyes at me during meetings every single week. The same person would walk by me in the hallway and pretend like she didn't see me. Now, I should mention that she behaved like this in varying degrees with everyone in the office, but I got the worst treatment for five freaking years. The thing was, I actually really loved my job and the people that I worked with, but that behavior and other issues began to pile up and I started to think about quitting my job. Now, I should give some history to this, which was we had just gotten out of the Great Recession. I had stayed in the role longer than I intended, but I I still actually really loved the place that I worked. I worked with people who had worked in the actual building and the actual program that I was at my entire life. They had started when I was born and that was not unusual in the field that I was in because I worked with international students learning English as a second language. Um, And people in the education space in particular, they're very mission-driven, similar to social workers, teachers, that kind of thing. So I worked with people who loved what they did and I felt really conflicted because I had so many amazing things that were good on paper about this job. But in the last two years of working there, it just it just got exhausting. The crappy colleague, the commute, the lateral only promotions, and the increased workload without a substantial increase in pay. So I kept thinking, is it is it time to quit? Is it time to quit this job that offers me security that I can't get fired from, that they no longer, the state of Colorado no longer has a hiring designation like this because it's so difficult to fire people. Like you basically can't if you're hired on the way that I was. So I talked myself out of it and I spent the next two years debating, was this the right decision? And in those two years, I became increasingly more unhappy And I would go on two hour hikes. I was salaried. So I would literally go outside. I'd be like, hey, go on a hike. And I would hike for two hours and come back and do my work. I would go to yoga. There were many things about the job that you would think, oh, this is great. Like I would never leave it. And then finally, one day I just was like, I got to go. I gave my notice. I bought a ticket to Hawaii with my ultimate destination being Australia and I leave. And what I did was basically, and I don't necessarily recommend this for people, but I gave a long notice. I gave a four month notice and my ticket was for me to depart, was purchased so that I would depart two days after my last day. Interestingly enough, my department and the university threw me basically like colleagues on the, on the campus through me a university-wide goodbye celebration. So people from all over the campus came over to my office and then there was cake and all this stuff. And it was actually very beautiful and moving to me because I felt very unappreciated. But at that point, it was just time to go. And so I did. In this episode, I'm going to talk about what I've termed the two-year conundrum, which is the average period of time that it takes many people to stop second guessing themselves in a major personal or professional decision. I'm only going to talk about the professional side of this conundrum in this episode. It could be working for yourself, creating a new product, writing a book, or creating that first course. During that two-year period, 
I was making the, de- the decision really to work for myself. And so in this episode, I'm going to talk about did the two-year conundrum help or hurt me? In order to go to the show notes, go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash the two-year conundrum. You can also grab the show resource, Do It Ugly Today. Perfect always gets in the way of done. If you're looking to get started on your blog, podcast, or other digital components to your business, grab this kit. It's in the show notes. conundrum are basically the following three. Fear. What will happen if I try? Perfection. I need this to look a certain way or be a certain way. And to be honest, perfection always gets in the way of getting stuff done. And then finally, lack of direction. Where do I start first? Like, How do I even focus to get this done? For me, I had decided to start working online, but I wasn't, I wasn't really clear about how I would make the bulk of my money when I quit. So during the two years prior to quitting, something did start to happen. I accidentally started attracting online work. In the beginning, I started writing $15 a piece posts for other businesses. Yes, you heard that right, $15. And so even though I was building skills on my blog, writing on your blog as a portfolio piece is fantastic. Other people paying you for content up levels that. And so I started doing that just kind of accidentally. And I'm going to be honest, I was excited about those $15. And I'll tell you why, because I've side hustled. And I knew that um, in my side hustles, where I was working as a brand ambassador, I would stand for hours at a time getting paid 15, usually like over 20, because my gigs were pretty good. But still, I was like, wow, like I could do this post for $15 and maybe it'll take me half an hour to do. So I was making these calculations and I was building confidence with these small projects, but at the time they felt really big. I don't get paid just $15 a piece now. (laughs) Um, That has changed. I focused on doing a great job at at my job. In fact, those skills that I had developed in my professional role would be what would make my current business successful. So I want to share what those skills were and what I did daily at my job that I now use in my job and my business now. How to sell, selling the program that I worked at to potential future students. And and to be really clear, they had to show that they had thousands of dollars up front in order to even come to the school. So they had to show that they had the money to pay for tuition, they had to show them that they had the money for accommodation. They had to show had to show that they had money for incidentals. So I was signing on people. I was getting people to say yes to the program that I worked at, and they would have to show myself and the U.S. government because they had to get immigration documents. A lot of my work was immigration driven. Um, at least by the time I left, forty five thousand dollars on hand in order to even apply for the visa. 
So I had to convert these would-be students into actual customers. So that, this is, that is what, a huge part of what I did all the time. I had to manage client satisfaction. Once they arrived, my role was inter, integral, inter, integral, integral, I can't say the word, oh my God. You guys, I'm recording this from the mountains this weekend and I'm still kind of sleepy, um, but you know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so I had to really focus on maintaining student happiness and, and help them be successful while they were there outside of their studies. Event planning. I planned thousands of events by the time I left. I planned horseback riding events. I took them to baseball games. I took them to basketball games. I took them, took them to the theater. I took them camping. Let me tell you, taking a whole bunch of people who speak lots of different languages, camping is hilarious and a lot of work. I took them to the Denver Art Museum. I took them to the zoo. I took, I took them all over Colorado. So my point is I did thousands of events in the 10 years that I worked my role. So Money on the Mountain was both difficult and hard for me to do because it was just one event that I did in a year. And Money on the Mountain is my signature event for what I do, which talks about women and money. And I'm still deciding if I'm doing it this year. I did a ton of administrative tasks, such as customer management. I was working with government entities and foreign governments daily, in addition to the U.S. government. Computer skills. There was so much to keep track of with all the different customers and clients. Just so much information. Social media management. Oh, and I should say that information, to this day, I could probably still be pulled in by the State Department. I think I have about another year another year, like seven years from when I quit, the State Department could still be like, oh, hey, Michelle, when you worked at such and such place, this student was there and this was a note that you made about them. So I had to take really good notes and information on the different students that came in. Okay, social media management. There is now a dedicated professional hired into this role. However, at the time that I was in this program, that wasn't the case. I did a lot of that work or um, my student assistants would, would assist me with that. Communication skills. I had to communicate with hundreds of people every day <laughs> from multiple countries with various levels of English. And let me just tell you, that is not easy. It's very difficult. And there's a reason why I don't deal with a lot of people now because I burnt the hell out. And then project management, the list goes on. So these were the things that I was doing in my role. And I share this to say to you, start really looking at your job that you're doing and make a skills assessment and look at how your skills that you're using daily in your job will help you with whatever project it is that you're trying to launch. I avoided perfection and I just focused on done. This is why I get I get, I just get stuff done in my most recent role as a part-time community manager. One of the best things about that role was I got to speak with potential clients in the podcasting space. What was really interesting to me was when I asked them how long they thought about creating a show, a lot of them would say two years or almost two years. Like it, it came, it, it, it almost was a joke to me by the end. I was like, at least like two years, like two years, you waited two years. You're still waiting. You still haven't launched this two years, but it wasn't just them. I'd noticed this with blogging, 
product creation, video content, people wanting to launch their coaching programs like myself, the list goes on. It just was always two years. And I learned that fear goes hand in hand with perfection. It has really dawned on me that when we focus on creating the perfect product or experience, that there is always something else going on kind of in the background. Fear of having people dislike what you're doing, nervous about the feedback, whether it's good or bad, fear of people liking what you're doing, and then asking yourself if they like what you're doing, then what? Why the two-year conundrum is so important is that if you think about something for two years, maybe, just maybe, it's worth trying regardless of the end result. It's a vetting process, basically. Here are some things to watch out for that I've heard from other people. When I asked people the following questions, this is some of the stuff that they would say. Especially, so basically if they're like, yeah, I've been waiting to do this for two years, here are the things they would say to me as I questioned them. I'm like, well, what's the issue? Like, why are you still waiting? I'm still researching the tech. I'm not sure what my focus will be. I'm overwhelmed by, it could be the number of episodes that you need to shoot for your podcast, blogs, whatever. I'm scared of the technology. Um, that comes up a lot, which is why I mentioned it twice. There's all these other people doing it too. And I feel like no one, what's the point of me doing it? Because there's so many other people out there doing what I want to do. What if I'm not good enough? How do I even market this? Basically, how do I get this thing that I'm doing in front of other people? And here are my answers. You can find your answers to your beginning stage tech questions via YouTube University, Google, or you could hire someone. By taking action, you will actually figure out what your audience wants from you and what you enjoy as you try to figure out what your focus should be. If you're overwhelmed by the amount of content that you think you should be creating, in the beginning, just keep it freaking simple. Why are you making it so hard? Simplify your expectations. I actually think low grade, this one is the biggest issue. People have all these expectations and keep them simple. Most people have this crazy idea, quite honestly, that they need huge numbers to experience what feels like success. Oftentimes, just completing the action is the initial success and then, then you build on it. Join groups of like-minded people pursuing similar or adjacent interests. There are so many free communities on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at the library, meetup groups that are, that are filled with people who are focused on creating similar content. Who cares that in your family, they don't get what you do? My mom, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. My mom has never looked at my website. <laughs> she totally supports what I do. But she, she is not interested in my website. She is not the avatar for it. Now, I will say I do talk to her quite a bit about the podcast content, and I love getting her feedback about it. But she is not an avid listener. She, is, she contributes in her perspective, and she contributes in commentary and that kind of thing. And I'll run my ideas by her but she's not who I'm trying to reach with my content. And, and that's fine. That's why you create an avatar for your work. And every single day in the different online communities that I am a member of, I will see at least once every single day, at least once in any kind of group, it could be 
a, book, a group for authors. It could be a group for podcasters. It could be a group for bloggers. And they'll say, well, no, my family doesn't, my family, my family, I'm like, your family is F your family. Okay. I love your family, but F them because they're not who you're creating this work for. Stop putting that expectation on them and really focus on who you really want this to go out there into the world for. And it's likely not your family. <laughs> Even if you're trying to help them with a thing, like your family may not want your help. So I need to get off that soapbox. My point is join groups with people who are trying to do similar things because it's highly likely that if you're only focusing on your family, that's the wrong focus. 10,000 hours of time working on a thing is what is considered to be an expert. So I need you to consider some things. Beyonce, Beyonce began singing and performing when she was nine, nine. She's only, I don't know how old she is, but she started when she was nine, nine. Serena Williams began playing tennis around nine. Rafa Nadal, who I had the pleasure, I've seen both Rafa and Serena play in person, but he began playing tennis when he was around nine. Jeff Bezos created Amazon when he was 30, and now he's completed his transformation into a cyborg who owns the entire you know, world. Um, it only took 27 years. Oprah Winfrey began working in journalism when she was in her early 20s. Amy Porterfield from Online Marketing Made Easy has been working online for around 11 years. That is not easy. She's been in it for 11 years. Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income was broke because he got fired <laughs> and he's and he was like, well, I got nothing else to lose, so I'm going to just do this thing. So he he started a project, which is now Smart Passive Income, and he has been doing that for at least, at least 10 years. I have been online in some capacity for about eight years and started working as an entrepreneur, like actually having a business focused business or having a business focus of some sort in 2017. And it's now 2021. And I'm just now seeing the traction that I was hoping for financially. You can't market something that hasn't been created. So this is the other thing. Everyone's like, well, how do I market? I'm like, what are you marketing? You have done nothing. You've done nothing. It's irrelevant about marketing if you have nothing to market. So get it done. If you're struggling with a two-year conundrum, I really hope that this episode has given you the kick in the ass to get started. I'm currently in the process of onboarding people into the Brand Building Lab, my new group coaching program geared towards helping mission-driven online entrepreneurs and getting them focused and across the finish line with their online projects. You can schedule a 20-minute free coaching call with me to see if we would be a good fit. There is a link in the show notes. Don't forget to grab the Do It Ugly Toolkit today. What are you waiting for?